with the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Well, hello everyone, this is uh, Brian Chilton with uh, BellatorChristie.com. Uh, we are starting something brand new tonight, and uh, we are glad to ho- hopefully uh, have some people join us online uh, for the live feed. But if not, that's okay too, uh, because we're going to have uh, this available on the Bellator Christie podcast as well. So uh, you can go back and listen to the Bible study in that regard as well. So uh, we've got this on several different uh, several different networks right now. We've got it on YouTube. We've got it on Facebook as well, and uh, we're going to have it on the podcast at the conclusion of the Bible study. And so uh, we're going to go through the book of Hebrews tonight, and we're going to look at the first chapter and give some introductory material to go along with that. If you're with us uh, by way of the live stream, by way of Facebook, or by way of the YouTube account, then uh, if you have any questions pertaining to the Bible study, or maybe you have some apologetics uh, or theolo- theological questions you'd like to pose, whatever the case may be, you'll have an opportunity to ask that as well. So if you, my son is helping me monitor this, so if you have any questions at any time, go ahead and type in the question and uh, in the uh, comment bar, and we're going to go back at the conclusion of the study tonight and see what questions we may have. If we, have, we don't have any, that's fine, uh, but we're going to continue this, God willing, uh, in the, the uh, weeks and months ahead. And so, uh, if you, again, if you have any questions pertaining to the book of Hebrews, first chapter tonight, or any questions about the Bible, theology, apologetics, anything of that sort, uh, by all means, post your question, and we'll get to it as soon as, as, soon as we conclude. Now, we had, uh, I had already uh, started Hebrews uh, before, but we're going to reboot this so that everybody can be on the same page all across the Bellator Christie Network. So again, if you're watching this by YouTube, if you're watching this by Facebook, or if you want to go back and listen to this on the Bellator Christie Podcast, you'll have that ability to do so. And so we wanted to uh, allow you, afford you the opportunity to follow this study from beginning to end. So uh, we see that there are some people already gathering uh, in our queue, and so we're looking forward to this. And so uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into the study in the book of Hebrews at hand. Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We pray, Lord, that you would bless over this study tonight. We pray, Lord, for the people who will be joining us, uh, for the people who uh, may come across this uh, on, on these different networks, and we just pray that you would bless over them and keep them in a mighty, powerful fashion. Again, we thank you for your word and the power that we find in your word. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So tonight we are studying the book of Hebrews. We're starting with the first chapter, uh, but we need to cover some introductory material before we really get in uh, hard and heavy with uh, with the text at hand. We're going to do this a little bit different than I have in times past. I've got this broken up into different sections, but what I want to do is go through this verse by verse 
kind of like J. Vernon McGee. He was a blessing to me in my in uh, early in life. My grandpa and I used to listen to him on through the Bible radio. So we're going to take a similar format and kind of go verse by verse, looking through the different scriptures and giving some explanation as we go through. So first of all, the question is who wrote the book of Hebrews, and that's a big time question. The reality is, is we just don't know. Early Christian leader Origen of the 3rd century put it best, saying that, uh, but as to who actually wrote the epistle, God knows the truth of the matter. Okay, so the best candidates, uh, some people believe that Paul may have written the, God, the book, and, and he very well may have. Uh, but other good candidates include Barnabas and uh, Luke. These are probably two of the best candidates uh, as to who wrote the book of uh, Hebrews. Barnabas would have certainly had the background to do this, as would have the 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 uh, as would have Luke. Apollos is mentioned by some as being a possible candidate. Timothy is mentioned by others, and then you have some other names that you wouldn't consider, uh, but are possibilities. Like uh, one person said that Joseph of Arimathea may have written the book, or you may have had Clement of Rome, who was in the first century. Uh, Priscilla is even mentioned as a possible writer, as is Aquila. The question is, how is a book determined to be canonical? How do we know that a book uh, is, uh, should be in the New Testament? Well, there are five areas of, uh, of criteria that had to be met. First of all is apostolicity. Uh, did, was the book written by an apostle, or did it have the backing of an apostle? When it comes to the book of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote the book, but we do know that it had the, it had Paul's stamp of approval on the book, and this is one of the reasons why the book of Hebrews was added uh, to the canon. There's also a question of authority. Uh, does this book have the power of God? That's a question that's often asked, and, and it was recognized by the early church that it did. There's a question of antiquity. Is the book old enough to have been written by an apostle or someone who knew an apostle? And here again, the, question, the answer to that is absolutely yes. Uh, this book was probably written around 64 AD, maybe a little earlier. Uh, so this book had that stamp of, of, of antiquity. There's also a question of authenticity. Did it contain the authentic message of Jesus? And in this regard, uh, it, the answer again is absolutely yes. We see the message of Jesus throughout this book. And then the, there's a question of acceptability. Uh, was this book accepted early on? And we see that uh, there are many reasons for believing that the book was accepted. Uh, the Miratorian fragment from 170 to 200 AD contained all of the books. Uh, it didn't contain Hebrews, and it didn't contain James and 1 Peter, 2 Peter and 3 John, but it contained the majority of the New Testament. And there were other, there were other groupings that did include the book of Hebrews early on. Origin of Alexandria lists all 27 books that we have in our New Testament in one of his commentaries in the mid-200s. Eusebius of Caesarea mentions all of the books, although he questions some books in, in you know, like Second Peter and Third John. Cyril of, of Jerusalem is a prominent Christian leader. He mentions all the New Testament books as authentic except for uh, just a few books but he land blasts. Here's, here's the funny thing about this. You hear a lot of people talk about the Gospel of Thomas. Well, uh, Cyril of Jerusalem basically land blasted this thing in 350 AD as being nothing more than a Gnostic heresy. Excuse the clock going off. It does this every hour. Drives me crazy. So uh, anyhow, 
Uh, he is mentioning that as early as 350. Athanasius of Alexandria, 367, mentions all 27 books as canonical. And, uh, and so by 325, you have the Nicene Council, you have these early councils, and as Dr. Leo Purser has said, they didn't, uh, they didn't make the books canonical. They, they just simply recognized the inspiration behind these books. And so uh, they recognized them as being inspired. So the question is about the purpose of the book of Hebrews. Why was the book written? Well, the writer wrote... The clock goes on forever. All right. <laughs> All right. The writer uh, wrote the, the book of Hebrews. Uh, uh, he wrote the book of Hebrews uh, to, uh, to the Jewish Christians uh, living in a large metropolitan area, perhaps Jerusalem, Alexandria, or even Rome. Rome, Rome being the most likely choice. The writer was very knowledgeable in the Old Testament priesthood, which is why some people believe Barnabas may have been the one who wrote it. The Greek text is extremely rich and uh, elegant, highly literate, which has the stamp of someone like Luke uh, who wrote it. So Barnabas and Luke are my two favorite candidates of all of them as far as the writers. But nonetheless, as we go through this study, as we go through the book of Hebrews, see how God continuously speaks through what theologians call progressive revelation. This means that God reveals certain things uh, early on, but he, he develops these things as we go through uh, time. See how Jesus is superior to the, to the angels due to his status, discrediting, discrediting any attempt to worship angels, and then see how God sends his angels to protect and keep his children. So, with all that underway, let's take a look at the scripture, and I'll be reading the CSB tonight for our study. So the first part is we're going to see that Jesus is better even than the prophets. This is an amazing thing. Recent studies show that at least 35% of evangelicals, this is, shows the problem we have in the American church today, 35% of evangelicals no longer believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he was just a good moral teacher. Well, what does the book of Hebrews have to say about that? I think you're going to find very quickly that the book of Hebrews has a lot to say about the supremacy of Jesus, about the divine nature of Jesus. So let's take a look at, the, first of all, the superiority of Jesus' revelation in the, first two book, in the first two verses. It says this, Long ago God spoke to the fathers. Now notice how God is doing the speaking. God communicates with individuals. God spoke to the fathers, talking about the Old Testament writers, talking about the Old Covenant. He spoke to the fathers by the prophets. These prophets were messengers of God who heard the voice of God and would communicate the message to the people. So God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. So God is speaking in different fashions, but he's using the prophets as his mouthpiece, speaking to the people. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. This means that Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He's the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. He's the ultimate prophet. So God has, uh, he has spoken through the Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Here again we have this notion of progressive revelation. 
that God reveals things and further develops these things as we go through time. And we see that uh, God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. This means that the Son is God come in flesh. He was there at creation. He developed these things as we see. So this whole notion that Jesus is just a good moral teacher and not God is not grounded in the truthfulness of Scripture. So we go on to verse uh, uh, verses 2 through 3, and we see that uh, Jesus is superior to creation itself. So we see that God has appointed him heir of all things, made the universe through him. Now we note here what Dr. Gary Habermas says is an early Christian creed. This is creedal material, meaning that this predates the New Testament itself. It says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. That means that He not only was there at creation, but He, can, he sustains all things by His Word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. This means that after he ascended from heaven, he was crucified, died, buried, resurrected, uh, ascended to the right hand of the Father, which means that he has a position of great authority. He has a position of great authority. To sit at the right hand held tremendous importance in ancient times. So Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and we go on to see... That we see here that Christ is the heir of all things, indicating that he has ultimate authority of all things. We see that he is the means through which God made the universe, meaning that he was there at creation. And so, as Colossians 1.16 says, that, uh, that everything has been made through him and by him, the fit things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been, made, been created through him and for him. So we see his relationship to creation. We see also his relationship to the Father. Christ is the radiance glory, the radiance of God's glory, which means that God shines his light through Christ, which he uses to shine forth in human hearts. We we see this in John 1 9. John 1 9 says this. Let me flip over there to it real quickly. John 1 9. Bear with me for a second. John 1 9, where is it at? John 1 9 says, uh, well, let me go back to verse 8, uh, or, or let me go back to verse, yeah, stay with 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Christ was the true light of God shining forth in the world. And he still continues to shine forth his light even now. Uh, through the Holy Spirit of God. So we see that he has this relationship to the Father. He's the radiance of God's glory. He's also the exact, the Bible says, the exact expression of his, of his nature. Christ is the exact expression of the Father's nature. This means Christ holds the same essence of God. He's not just a human being. We cannot say as evangelical Christians that Jesus is just a good moral teacher. We must say that he is God come in the flesh. That's who he is. So we see his relationship to the world. Christ sustains all things together by his powerful world. I mean, by, by his powerful word. Behind me, you see the beauty of God's creation. You see these trees blowing in the wind. You see the beautiful sky. Uh, you see the beauty of God's creation. Well, this means that God not only through Christ not only created all things, 
He is sustaining him, them by his own hand. And that's a powerful truth if we think about it, that, uh, that, that God is sustaining all things. We see the relationship to redemption. Christ made purification for sins, meaning that he provided the means by which we can be saved. And again, Christ sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, meaning he defeated sin. He raised again from death uh, and descended to the right hand of God where he resides to this very day. That's powerful truth if we stop to consider it. So we see our second section and final section of our study tonight. In, in verses 4 through 14, we see that Jesus is not only superior to the prophets, Jesus is in fact superior to the angels themselves. So we see that he is superior in regards to his relationship. So we just see this in verses 4 through 7. And notice here, the author of Hebrews is going to quote several passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. So first of all, we see in verses 4 through 7, he says this, So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. His name is more excellent than the angels in heaven. And we see in verse 5, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today, today I have become your father. Here he quotes Psalm 2 verse 7. In this, uh, he says in, in verse 5, the writer quotes Psalm 2, which describes the coronation of the king. So the, Jesus is the king who is coronated. Okay, And, and uh, the second quotation comes from 2 Samuel 7, 14. It says, I will be his father and he will be my son. Uh, this quotation, the prophet Nathan gave David these words from God, promising that Solomon would build a temple after his death. God had promised an eternal relationship between himself and David. And so Jesus would be the branch, the prophetic branch that we see in the Old Testament. He was the fulfillment of this promise. And in verse 6, we see a, the quotation from Psalm 97.7. that says, And then he, when he brings his firstborn into the world, he says, And let all God's angels worship him. So the angels worship Christ Christ is not simply, an, he's not an angel, he's God come in the flesh, so we can't just think of him as being some type of angel. And about the angels, he says in verse 7, uh, quoting from Psalm 104.4, He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. Uh, they're compared to these natural elements of wind and fire. Angels are created beings that serve God people, God's people and, and serves God himself. They are powerful beings, worthy to be admired, but they're not worthy to be worshipped because there's only one person who deserves our worship, and that's God and God alone. Only he deserves our worship, nothing else, just God and God alone. So uh, we see these verses, these quotations. So uh, you know, uh, a lot of people are tempted to worship angels. A lot of people are tempted to work, worship objects, uh, to worship things. But the writer of Hebrews tells us and reminds us that Christ is superior to all things. And only he is worthy of our worship. And that's what we need to remember as we go through life. Only Christ, only God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is worthy of our worship. So we see in verses 8 through 14, more quotations coming. We see how Jesus is superior to the angels in regard to his reign. We see that Jesus 
holds a royal reign. And we see in verses um, uh, 8 through following these, these quotations. And we see in verses 8 and 9, uh, he's quoting Psalm 45, 6 through 7, which says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your compassions. Psalm 45, quoted in this text, brings out three truths about Christ. Number one, the Christ, the Son has a throne because He is a ruler. He's not just given a throne by God by happenstance. He's given a throne because He is the royal ruler. Second, we see the Son's reign will last forever. You know, things in this life, they come and they go. Uh, the, the things, things in this life normally don't last a long time. Uh, societies come and go. Uh, things, you know, every, everything we can think of comes and go. I mean, I, I'm using a telephone. Just recently, uh, we had to replace our telephones, our cell phones. And so the cell phone I'm using tonight to record, uh, to record the, uh, the Facebook version of the Bible study. Unfortunately, I'm looking, uh, you can't see me as well because there's light behind me. Uh, but uh, uh, this is a new phone. It's a new camera. The old phone passed away. It perished. You know, I'm using a laptop and, and eventually it'll, it'll go out and I'll have to get another one. And I, you know, things come, things go. But there's one thing that remains forever and that's Christ. He is the, he's the thing that we can depend on being to, to, to continue to sustain, to endure forever. We can depend on Christ being who He is and who He will ever be. Because uh, as the book of Hebrews tells us, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we see the sixth quotation in Psalm 102, verses 25 and 27. This is quoted in verses 10 through 12. Uh, which says this, And in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a clothing, and you will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like clothing, but you are the same, and your years will never end. Here again, we see the fact that God remains forever. Uh, even creation itself isn't going to last forever. In fact, if we look over, and bear with me, if we look over at 2 Peter chapter 3, give me a moment to turn there, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 13 say this. Actually, let me back up to verse 10. And just, just, just consider this. This is a powerful truth if we stop and think about it. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That means that we're not going to know when that day happens. I think this is relating back to a teaching that Jesus gives on the Mount of Olives. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief on that day. On that day, think of this. The heavens will pass away with a loud noise. The elements will burn and will be dissolved. When God steps in the scene of creation... His power is so intense. I mean, if you see the sky behind me, just envision this. The, the clouds, the sky, the creation itself is going to roll back like a scroll at the very presence of God Himself. 
It says, The heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn away and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. So the creation will be dissolved, works will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. Can you just picture this? All of creation is going to melt before the very presence and power of God Almighty. Um, and then he goes on to say, But based on this promise, we will wait for the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. Things are bad, I, I grant you. Think th We've got riots going on. We've got problems galore. We've got all kinds of situations going on in our world today. We've got a pandemic. But take hope. This is not going to be the final way all things end. We are given a promise through Christ because He is victorious, because He is superior, because of the works of Christ, we see that there is a better day of coming. There's a better day coming when there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. As beautiful and fantastic as this creation is, the new heaven and the new earth that we have awaiting us on the other side will, will, will vastly be better than anything we could ever think or consider. So keep working for Christ. Keep on keeping on because the work you do for Christ will be rewarded in the end. And that's, some, that's one of the most important things I could tell you about today. Keep working for Christ. Now, where do we get to? That was, that's some good stuff. Oh, yeah. All right, so we go to verse 13 in the first, first chapter of Hebrews. This is quoting Psalm 110, verse 1, which says this, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The writer sets up the final quotation in chapter 1 with a question. To which angel is Psalm 110, 1 referencing? There's not an angel that's referencing. There's not an angel that could fulfill these promises because there's only one person who could sit down at the right hand of majesty, and that is Christ himself. So Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is not just a good moral teacher. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if we don't get that right, friends, we're going to miss who Jesus is truly is. So we see uh, that, um, that uh, the writer notes that angels are ministering spirits. So let's read verse 14. Are they not all, speaking of angels, ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? Fantastic news, friends. You not only have God the Father who has justified you, meaning that you have the favor of the Father, which is fantastic to consider. You have the favor of the Father. But you also have been redeemed by the Son. You are filled by the Spirit of God. But on top of all of that, the Bible says that we have ministering angels who come to help us in our time of need. We may have problems in life, but understand that God has got your back, and if God is for you, then nothing or no one can be against you. As the Scriptures say, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And if we have God on our side, that is what matters. God will fight your battles. God will stand for you. God will be there for you when no one else can be. So keep trusting Christ. 
Keep trusting the Holy Spirit. Keep trusting the Father and, and, and just, just depend upon Him because He can take better care of you than anyone else ever could or ever could consider. So let me close with this. A few applications here I'd like to take a look at. First of all, we place a high value on material things. But understand this. All material things will eventually perish. That's one of the truths we find in this passage of Scripture. All material things will eventually pass away. Uh, but one thing will not rot or decay, and that's God Himself. The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So friend, may we all stop depending on on the trivial material goods and start depending on Christ who can bring us through anything. So Christ's reign endures forever. Politicians come, politicians go. This is a nasty political year. Uh, it's going to get worse as we get closer to November, but understand this, no matter who wins in November, Jesus is still king. Remember that. Jesus is still king no matter who wins this November. He's still king. So Jesus is often portrayed as just a good moral teacher, but as we've said already, the Hebrews does not leave that as, a, as an option for us. He is God come in flesh. So some last applications for you. Number one, God spoke through the prophets and writers of the Old Testament, but the final revelation is found in Christ Jesus. Number two, Jesus is God incarnate. You cannot separate Jesus from either his human or divine side. To do so is to lose Jesus himself. Number three, angels are wonderful beings sit to help and to serve, help us and to serve God. And while we should respect them, we should never worship them. Only God deserves our worship. And lastly, focus your attention to Jesus and the eternal things and let's all place less value on the things that will perish. Things will come, things will go but God remains God forever. And I don't know about you, but uh, I think I would rather depend on those spiritual things, rather depend on the things that truly matter. Well, let me close with a word of prayer and just want to remind you coming up in the weeks ahead, uh, God has, uh, uh, is, is moving to uh, allow this, this ministry, this online ministry, to uh, expand. And so uh, we're looking to expand this and we want to look to expand the community of people joining us. And again, as I mentioned before, if you have any questions, this is a good, uh, we're going to have this available through YouTube. If you go to youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie, you can watch us there. You can also watch us on the, on the Bellator Christie page on Facebook. And then we're also going to record this and have this available as a podcast at the conclusion. But the, one of the benefits of joining us live on Wednesday afternoons is that if you have a question, all questions are permissible. Okay, my son is helping me monitor this even now. If you have a question about the book of Hebrews, if you have a question about theology, if you have a question about apologetics, this is your opportunity to ask those questions. And if you're with us live, type those questions in the comment bar, and I'll try to answer them the best I can. And if I can't answer them, guess what? My good friend, my co-host, Curtis Evalo, and I have a podcast we run together. If I can't answer them, we're going to team up, and we'll try to find answers uh, for you. My friend in Montana and I have come together. It was through this online ministry that God brought us together, and we've had a great time uh, recording podcasts and uh, doing the Lord's work through this online forum. So again, no question is off base. If you have any question whatsoever, come to these online forums 
post your question in the comment bar, and I will try to answer them as best as we can. So this is your opportunity to do just that. So uh, so we're going to be here Wednesday nights uh, to do this very thing, and so not sure exactly the time. We're still working on that. Uh, maybe a little earlier, maybe a little later. Uh, just uh, just depends on how the Lord works and how things come together. So uh, be looking for us on Wednesday nights uh, through the Bellator Christian Network. Let's pray, and we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone who's joined us here. We thank you for my family who's here being supportive. And as we are doing this ministry together, we thank you uh, for the Bellator Christie podcast with Curtis and I as we are uh, getting this thing going. And we thank you for the people you've brought to us. We thank you for those who are joining us by YouTube and also on the Facebook community. We pray, Lord, that you bless over them and keep them. If they do have any questions that they would like to ask, Lord, we just pray that you would grant them the freedom to ask those things to ask any question that they may have. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you, and we thank you, Lord, that even though uh, we see a lot of the physical things around us, we know that the things that are truly going to last and endure are those spiritual things. We, we, like you, Lord, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us to have an eternal perspective as we go through this walk in life. And we thank you for all that you do for us. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Well, Grayson, do you see any questions on the board? I do not. All right. We'll give you another minute. If you're here with us, if you've got a question, we'll give you a minute to ask any question whatsoever. All right. Going once. Going twice. All right. We'll be thinking about it. If you've got any questions coming up, uh, be sure to bring them next week. You can also go on bellatorchristie.com, and uh, there's a link there. You can post your question as well. So there again, get no questions off base. If you have a question you'd like to ask, we're here to answer them. So, all right, this is Brian Chilton, my son Grayson with me. We're going to sign off for tonight. We'll see you back next time. God wish and bless you. As we always do, listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates the Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under creative commons copyright all rights reserved the opening theme is the song crucified written by John and Michaela Limanis performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristie.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.
Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristi.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristi.com now and submit your question. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read. One that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today.